Check out all our new articles and content on BrewInterview.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Brew Interview. And for some quality memes, follow us on Instagram at Brew Interview Memes. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Break Room. My name is Keaton and I'll be your host today. Um, I hope you all are staying safe and healthy in the during this pandemic. Because UCLA closed campus and is urging students to move off of the hill, classes have been moved online for spring quarter and for the first part of summer session. As a result, many of the our club members have, you know, been scattered across the country and different parts of the world. We want to give you an inside look into how the coronavirus is affecting people around the world today. Um, I'm talking with uh, Sahil Jog. Um, he is a member of the Bruin Review, and he's currently in Riverside, California. Riverside at the moment has 1,350 confirmed cases and 39 deaths. Without further ado, I will bring Sahil on. Um, Sahil, thank you for coming on today. All right. Thank you for having me. I'm just down the road a little bit. I'm in Orange County, so not far from you, about an hour. So I feel like we're in much, or we're in similar boats here. My first question pretty much is just a simple one. I mean, how has the pandemic affected you personally? And as an extension of that, maybe like your family, but just like how has your transition been so far from living on campus or from having in-class sessions to online sessions? I mean, I think this whole pandemic has affected like everybody where they have to switch to online classes. It's definitely much harder than regular classes because you need to have like dedication to actually commit and come at those times which most people lose uh, their own like commitment once they come back home. Because I mean, like amidst this like pandemic, some people may have like relatives working for the hospitals or anything regarding where they have to actually step outside. So they might be in times of like either financial crisis or some sort of like domestic problems in the house or anything. So I would say that it's definitely harder for certain students to focus more on academics and taking all this in because this this happened within like a course of like a month now and now we have like lockdowns going on everywhere we have just like the infected toll rising and yeah it's gone pretty bad yeah i know you mentioned like it, it can be a lot harder to do class in your home do you have like a specific space where you do a lot of your work or your studying that's separate from, you know, maybe the rest of your family or something? Actually, I I made like a mini dorm room setup where I got like this very small table and my computer and everything that I use at UCLA. So to make it feel as dormy as possible. Nice. <laughs> Love to hear it. Who are you living with at the moment? Uh, right now I'm living with my family and I'm uh, I'm very grateful that they also are like home for a very long time. Too. So it does feel good to have someone by your side amidst the situation, but I would still say that it does feel different. And I'm pretty sure it's the same thing for like many students. Yeah, of course. How has your family dealt with this or how have they adapted to the pandemic? What's changed at all, if, if anything, from like normally living with your family? Any any more, you know, arguments or any less arguments? Yeah, there's definitely more arguments going on. I'm pretty sure it's like the same case with you two or everyone, but they have been taking preventive measures like as recommended by Riverside County, because I know uh, even though Riverside doesn't have that many cases, they're getting really strict about it. They enforced 
that you can't step outside the house without wearing a mask and you can get up like fined up to a thousand dollars for it yeah i don't think we have stepped outside for quite a long time unless it's like the front yard going outside for walking or jogging but other than that we've just been doing everything online ordering groceries online and uh watching a lot of movies yeah now uh i know they enforce that in la county as well that face mask rule do they provide face masks or do you have to go out and buy your own face masks like what's what's the deal with that yeah apparently uh they do not provide face masks they just recommended it and made it necessary that you must wear a face mask which i mean it's definitely hard to find face masks in this situation i know some people are selling face masks i don't find that really ethical at all because some people just jack up the prices for face masks which is kind of messed up in times like this but i mean it's since it's like a law i mean it's not a big deal like there's not many cases going on around here but i mean they still recommended that you wear a face mask I find that slightly, I don't know, it's just a big precaution to take. And I don't think wearing a face mask would really prevent anyone from catching the disease because like you can still get it from respiratory droplets on your skin, right? Yeah. So. No, I mean, I've, I've heard the arguments from both sides. I know the research is a little bit inconclusive on whether face masks actually do anything just because... A lot of people, when they wear face masks, they end up touching their face more just because face masks can be incredibly uncomfortable. Mm, So I do find it interesting that counties would mandate people wear them. But I mean, talking about your county specifically, how do you think the area is doing in terms of response? Do you think they're being pretty proactive and, and well thought out about everything? Or do you think the response could have been better? I think they're definitely being proactive about it. I mean, they they've taken very early response, unlike uh, some other major countries or counties and i think that's a good thing for now in riverside because we don't have that many cases again but taking an early response could prevent any further complications or deaths along the road so i think riverside's doing pretty well for now and uh, everyone's been pretty complacent and uh agreeing to these responses because if you step outside almost everyone is wearing a face mask even if they're either like walking jogging or even like going to the mailbox so i think riverside's doing pretty good yeah well that's great to hear are there any like particularly striking things that you've seen so far as a result of the pandemic whether it's you know in riverside specifically or you know, watching things about the pandemic, but I don't know if you, I don't know how much time you spend outside the house, but has anything definitely piqued your interest so far? One thing that really does pique my interest is how many people actually go outside for jogging and running now, which is, I guess it's good because like previously when I used to jog and run, I used to see like, uh, let's say maximum of like two to four people outside. I see 20, 30, 40 people maybe in a day. They're always like, doing something physical and trying to stay active, which I find is really cool in times like this, because I know people get bored out of their minds. They might just like sit, get lazy, get unmotivated. But I've seen like more motivated people willing to go outside, run, do some sort of physical activity and stay fit, which I find is like pretty cool. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with you. I, uh, I've i noticed the same thing where I live that I've never seen more people out on the sidewalks. I'm always seeing people running or walking. Um, which I find is kind of funny, considering that it takes a, a shelter at home order to get people to actually go outside. Yeah, but <laughs> and be and be active. 
so i mean do you have a do you have like a chief concern during uh this pandemic or or is there something you're most concerned about i think i'm most concerned about like the false news that spreads around because uh i know there's like been a lot of doctors addressing this fact that you know they did tests on like hydroxychloroquine or this like one miracle drug for covid19 as it turns out apparently uh, a lot of the tests was it wasn't like double blind experiments like they didn't really take the precautions of like doing an actual experiment where there's no bias at all because there's I think there were only like six patients involved or something. And plus both the experimenters and like the researchers weren't like blinded by the experiment. So it wasn't really like a true experiment. And there's still no like conclusive evidence that certain drugs work over another. So I would say like all this false news coming in, it does really affect the people because it gives them hope that, hey, we might be, this drug might be like a viable option and they might go around like looking for that specific drug. I know there's some cases of people who've been ingesting, it was like fish medication where if you have like a parasite in your fish, you give it to them and it has like hydroxychloroquine, but it only works for those specific fish. And this one, like uh, elderly couple, they took it and then they got very sick and uh, they had to go to the hospital and it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I would say like false news definitely like, induces more panic in people as they go outside and try to do something crazy, which is not recommended. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. I think, I mean, it, it can come from, I mean, what the sad part is it's coming from, some of that information is coming from our own government, not to get political or anything, but, you know, the misinformation between states and, and federal can be a little frustrating. I know out here in California, we have it a little bit, a little bit easier just because a lot of our information seems to be pretty accurate thanks to the state, but I can't imagine. I know like some cases in Florida are pretty bad, but yeah, I mean, you just got to hope that, that people make the right decisions and they don't, they don't freak out too much. Certainly Twitter, I can imagine. And, you know, just the amount of news that is coming out isn't helping anyone probably makes things more alarmist than helpful. Yeah. Tw- Twitter has been like, I don't know. It's, it would say interesting to say the least, but anything that, comes around like really fast twitter just blows it up so i don't think that's really a good sign because there's been lots of like i know false news about like oh hey they're developing a vaccine over there boom twitter blows it up and then everyone's like hey we're gonna have a vaccine within like a month or so which is probably not gonna happen yeah so i think it also gets like people's hopes really high which is it's it's a good thing but it's also not a good thing because they're disappointed later on to learn the true facts about what's going on yeah, I was reading something earlier today that said our governor, Gavin Newsom, as well as some other states are like weary to give out good information about this because they don't want people relaxing their habits. They don't want people going outside and potentially making the problem worse. So that's a little daunting in itself, but I guess we'll keep trudging on. Of course. <laughs> how are you? I mean, how are you generally keeping busy during the pandemic other than like school? I've just been uh, trying to explore some hobbies that I can't do in college. Because I remember uh, before leaving all my friends, like the first few weeks were like pretty sad where I always like FaceTime some of my friends. We watched a lot of Netflix using like Netflix party and these type of extensions. And then later on, I figured out like, hey, I have so much time. And why not do some like hobbies, which I can't really do in college? Like 
I know a lot of like college students love to read, but they don't have time to read anything else than their like physics textbooks or something. Mm-hmm. So I would say I've gone into reading a lot and uh, I always wanted to do like a multimedia project or I don't know, learn something with a camera. So I've just been like, I know I couldn't step outside, but when I have free time, like take pictures of fruit in my backyard, maybe start almost like mini vlogging, tiny, tiny, like things that I do. Yeah, of course. And I know like a lot of people cook too. Like everyone's been cooking. I've been doing a ton of cooking. You have? Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trying, I've been usually cooking like two meals a day, Uh, either like breakfast and dinner or breakfast and lunch. But I feel like I've pulled the weight of cooking for the household onto myself rather than my parents. But I enjoy it, so it, it helps out. Wait, what, what are some dishes that you make? Oh, man. The other day, I made some really good pork tacos, like some cochinita pibil, which is like a traditional pork. And it comes with like a like a salsa fresca. That was probably the best thing that I made. I don't know. I have a really good guac recipe. Usually, it's Mexican food. Mm. If you want anything, just let me know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Avocados, they always taste good. Guacamole, yeah. Yeah. Have you been getting on the cooking train, or is that not your field yet? No, no, I've been definitely getting on the cooking train. <laughs> like, I've been, I started off like experimenting with eggs a lot because uh, I figured out like making omelet isn't as easy as it seems. And then later on, I just went on like with chicken, made roast chicken. Then every time I get free time, I look up recipes for uh, certain dishes. I think I've I've just been experimenting around with different types of meats too. Yeah. Anything that's like really protein and filling, I like to make. It's kind of fun to see your progress, huh? It's like the first few dishes are probably going to be really bad or not bad. They're either going to be like too burnt, too chewy and stuff. And then you slowly like learn to make it ideal. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree with you there. Did you live on the hill this last year? Yeah. Yeah. So you're practicing for when you have your own apartment over there one day. Yeah, of course. You're going you're gonna to return to UCLA and just be an expert cook. Hell yeah. Everyone's going to be expert cook. <laughs> I think I've been trying to make like B plate meals and stuff too. No, I, I tried to whip up some omelets as well. It's, it can be quite difficult. But yeah, no, it's all good stuff. I know you mentioned it a little bit. You don't really go outside too much. But have, have you gone outside? Do you try and find the sun? Or is it normally just pictures of fruit in your backyard? No, I, I always try to go outside as much as I can. So either for like a jog or a run in the morning or usually in the evening where there's not a lot of people around. Yeah. But my parents have been very strict about it. They just said uh, every time you go outside, remember like to keep your shoes in the garage. Don't bring them in because they're really paranoid about like bringing the germs into the house and spreading it around. But other than that, I think once everyone's quarantined, everyone wants to go outside as much as possible. Yeah. No, I, I completely understand. Um, I mean, my brother will just drive and like stare at the beach in our car and then just drive back home. It could be a, a little frustrating. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. Thank you for coming on to talk with us. All right. Thank you for having me. I hope you stay safe. I hope your family stays safe and healthy during this all. Thank you. All right. You too. Thanks, Keaton. Of course. Welcome, Nell. Thank you for being on. Thank you for letting me speak here. Of course. Of, of all the people in the Bruin Review, you know, <laughs> you were the first one we could have on. Like, we were like, who can we have? And Eleanor was immediately said, <laughs> Nell. Nell is a member of the Bruin Review, uh, and she currently is in Kazakhstan. They have uh, about 1,995 infected people. 
19 deaths and 489 people have recovered. So basically just just tell me a little bit about your transition from from UCLA back home and the events with that and how that ended up. Well, when the first lockdown measures were put in in California, I was 100% sure that I'm going to stay in LA for the time being, but then when the first cases started emerging in my hometown, that's when the government started putting like really strict lockdown measures. And then in a week or so, they announced that they're going to close down the borders and like seize the pretty much all international flights. And that's why my family kind of got really panicky. And then we basically decided that it will be best if I go back home and quarantine with my family. So it's been quite a ride because every direct flights are pretty much canceled. So I ended up taking like three consecutive flights over like seven hours. Um, It was pretty crazy. I've actually just moved in with my parents because I was quarantining alone for two weeks. That was kind of advised by the health and safety administration here. And I got tested twice. So And both came back negative? Yeah. You are coronavirus free. That's good. So anything you did that was particularly interesting during your two weeks of quarantine? Where where were you quarantined? Did you get to see any of your family during that time? Or was it completely, you know, separated? So I, I it was like Airbnb, which was like a couple blocks away from my house. Like I didn't see any of my family but my dad. And he was only like bringing my me groceries. So I don't have to like go outside and like exposing myself but even those couple minutes of interactions with my dad were like insufficient because he was it was just like looking at each other staring at each other and like not being able to hug or even like doing normal human things like being deprived of human contact was so interesting and refreshing i think yeah no i completely understand you know those groceries that your father father brought you were they mostly you know easy ready-made stuff or did you turn into a a (laughs) self-made cook in those two weeks yeah i feel like i could pretty much write my own cookbook like quarantine cookbook (laughs) (laughs) it's been fun because i i love cooking so it wasn't like a, a like a problem for me but living alone i realized how unprepared i am for like to live alone there's so many responsibilities you have to take on and with schoolwork it's been pretty hard to manage yeah um, how has your schoolwork changed or how has your studying changed, you know, just from from being on campus at UCLA to now? Well, because I'm like a design and media art major, so it's very weird to transition art school online. And it's been pretty hard since basically a lot of art school um, art projects are based around critiques and human interactions. So being not able to meet with my other peers and collaborate with them has been pretty hard especially with the time difference and like the learning itself is like I have to adjust to it because it's it just takes a lot of self-discipline and time management which I don't have (laughs) yeah I'm in the same boat a little bit I mean I I'm in two different creative writing classes which rely very much on being critiqued about your work it's hard to just kind of replicate you know, over Zoom, yeah. partly because just speaking virtually is is a lot harder than in a classroom. But our professor, too, doesn't necessarily have the same amount of time that he would have had anyways. So you're back in with your family now, correct? Yeah. 
And how has that been so far? Have you have you on each other's nerves yet? Has anyone lost their mind? Not yet, but I have two siblings. It's so funny how my 13-year-old brother is doing his schoolwork over Zoom, and then I have a four-year-old sister, and she goes to kindergarten, and she has Zoom lessons. <laughs> and it's been pretty hard to like manage, because all of us are fighting over base that we want to take on. And my dad uh, started working remotely, so it's been a lot of tension around the family. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Managing spaces, and I'm sure it's difficult. Me and my brother just, at least in my home, we just took a table that was like up against the wall and just like moved it into the center of like our front room. And we just told our parents like, all right, this is a workspace. Like, don't come in here. So yeah, I can imagine the frustrations might be, might run a little deeper than usual. So specifically where you are, how has your area basically responded to the coronavirus? And have you seen any particularly striking things or anything that seemed interesting or completely absurd or any toilet paper theft in Kazakhstan? Not yet. Well, I have to give some credit to the government for putting things into action really um, early on. That does not happen <laughs> that often. <laughs> so that I think that's why we've kind of been able to contain the number of cases that low compared to US or even our bordering neighbors like Russia. Like I've seen a lot of people just backlashing and like falling into conspiracies more and not believing that the virus is real because they don't see it happening around them. And I've seen a lot of people breaking the rules of self-quarantining, especially like in really urban areas. I see a lot of cars passing around and people just like going out to get some coffee as if like it's an essential i get it but i still don't get it <laughs> yeah i uh if you if you could see the drive through lines at starbucks uh here i'm sure you would be you know just as wowed earlier when we were talking to brian he said that boba in singapore was was no longer considered an essential <laughs> So I guess it's for the good. I guess it's for the best. Um, but coffee is still considered a social service. I guess. Funny thing, I did read. I think in Virginia or maybe it was Pennsylvania, they were contemplating like closing down the liquor stores, and they they realized if they do that, then then too many people would have withdrawals, and be like admitted to hospitals. Um, <laughs> so so they kept the liquor stores open as an essential service for good reason, I guess, for good measure. Uh, so. So what do you see as like a, maybe like a chief concern for you, at least with everything that's been going on? It could be like, you know, a personal concern or, or something related to Kazakhstan more broadly. I don't really have like personal concerns regarding the virus. Other than that, like worrying about keeping my schoolwork on time and everything, which seems very selfish in a way, but I feel like there's a lot of things to worry about in Kazakhstan because I feel like people are starting to get frustrated with being in lockdown and having the uncertainty of when the lockdown will be lifted up. I feel like people are starting to breaking the lockdown measures just because either they are unemployed and they have no money or financial support to sustain themselves and their families or 
people are just getting tired of like sitting at home and like not being able to see the results done or anything. We've had like some packages that like would help low income households and it's like a bit over $100, which is not a lot. And when the government started like insisting that you could take out like these benefits, people started like hoarding them. Even the people that don't need it started like taking up the money. And I feel like I'm more concerned about like the social and economic implications rather than the actual virus, which makes me scared of basically the second shock of virus coming up if people would like abandon the lockdown measures and everything. Yeah, no, that is definitely a concern everywhere is if you, you know, let up these measures too soon, it, it could just cause an even worse situation. I could tell in my area too, people have started to become a little frustrated. Have you done anything? I know you talk a lot. It seems just from talking to you, you've come to pretty good to your shelter in place orders and, and you know, social distancing. Um, have you done anything to keep sane? Have you left the house or, you know, do anything to ease the tension? Well, my dad started doing workouts daily with basically every one of my family members. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Even your your four-year-old sister? She Oh, she loves those workouts. It's like a fun <laughs> family activity for her. So it's been a lot of like yoga and workouts around the house. And whenever I do schoolwork, I always like hear my dad and my brother like jumping around because they have like the, the jumping rope with them. No noise complaints for now. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I've just kind of been like shuffling around, spending more time with my family because I haven't seen them since Christmas break and like managing schoolwork. Yeah. If you have anything else to say that, that I didn't mention or something that you want to bring up, please do. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just going to talk about like some other absurd stuff that's been <laughs> happening all around i recently read that russia even though they have like a really high case total they still are doing easter celebrations really private elite <laughs> easter celebrations at like a remote ch- church or whatever and even though it's like very i guess it's illegal since um they've introduced like the quarantine Uh, measures but it's like 60 people that are probably like the most important people like oligarchs and like um, stars they've been kind of going to this (laughs) easter celebrations which i like don't understand and someone like recorded them and it turned into this like battle i don't know it was pretty wild to see laws i guess in russia don't apply to the rich neither in most areas yeah i'm sure in russia there that doesn't really have too much of an effect yeah, that's crazy. I remember when, when Trump said that, you know, we'd love to have the country open by, by Easter. Everyone was like, man, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> now we're far past that. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking with us. I hope you continue to stay safe yeah. uh, in Kazakhstan. Thank you for having me. Of course.